This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, so uh, I'm here with Sean, and uh, <laughs> we were in the middle. We're, we're on the last chapter. We've, all of the book is written, and this we're working on one of the chapters to finish it, and that chapter is like probably 90% complete. And then the last little bit is where we wish to address the concerns of uh, carbon footprint or any of the three footprints that we cover in the book. Uh, as it relates to being a vegan. And so uh, the idea was, is like, well, what is considered to be like a reliable source or the source to go to on this tie-in between uh, uh, the, the probably carbon footprint? Let's just focus on carbon footprint. And carbon footprint and veganism and how it's like, because there's a lot of information that they're saying the number one thing you can do to reduce your carbon footprint is to become a vegan. And um, I kind of i I've got a lot of reasons why I think that that is not true. But in order to be able to do it in the book, we thought what we would do is cite a source saying that's the thing. And um, uh, after a lot of consideration, we came back to like, okay, it seems like most vegans that are bringing this up, they cite. Cowspiracy, and so so uh, Sean and I agreed because <laughs> neither of us wanted to watch it. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> it's like no, thank you. I hear enough from militant vegans already. I don't want to go and listen to a militant vegan voluntarily. And we thought, well, to be fair, we need that. So we agreed to suffer simultaneously. <laughs> yep. And and it's like okay, we're going to record a podcast afterwards. So we we just finished watching it, and we made a rule that we will not talk about the movie at all until the recording starts for the podcast. So so we're now recording. Um, uh, I just want to do a quick shout out uh, because I'm I'm this is a this is a, I'm told this is a smart thing to do, and I've been so very happy with this. So uh, I want to thank my Patreon supporters, and uh, because they're they're the fuel for this, really. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be making podcasts anymore. Well, I probably still would, but but it's like I'm, I think I'm getting better at doing more of them. Uh, thanks to my Patreon supporters, uh, it's less of a burden to make a podcast, so it's easier to like, you know, jump into it. And so my Patreon account is Patreon.com/slash Paul Wheaton. And I want to mention three Patreon supporters. Uh, so there's Ivan, and and it's like I see his last name. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Uh, I'm, well, actually, no, I am going to try. I'm going to. It's got. It's, it's spelled B J, and then there's like an O with a slash through it. So it's like a zero, R K A V A with an O over the A. And a G. So it's got 
stuff in it that is not part of the English language. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab. <clears throat> Borkavog. I don't know if I got that right. I cannot confirm. Yeah, but Ivan is awesome. He was the navigator when we did the uh, 2012 uh, uh, speaking tour, yeah. where we spent I, it was more than a month on the road driving down the West Coast, stopping every day for a speaking gig, which I learned later. Doing that every day is a really bad idea. <laughs> Everybody was just was was just uh, dead. It's like it was it was too much. Yeah. Um. And uh. uh and I kind of felt like maybe we'll do something like that with the East Coast at another time. Um. And somebody was going to set it up to get us like one of those uh, sleeper buses for um. Uh. Bands yeah. or the whole band. They've got like twelve little bunks in there. And, and it's like, oh, that could, that could rock. Like, what if there's like 12 of us going from town to town up the East Coast and we could like visit all these cool permaculture places and see all this cool permaculture stuff. And then I could like speak and somehow that pays for the cost of it or something. I don't know. So I said, if somebody's willing to set it all up, I'll do it. And, uh, there have been like two or three attempts to set it up, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I guess it's not happening, but anyway. So Ivan uh, was amazing. Ivan was on the trip. He was there for the whole thing. Uh, he was great, and here he is supporting my Patreon account. And uh, and then the next two names are uh, Seth Gregory and Bill Erickson, who was on a podcast like a couple of months ago, and he's on the staff at permies.com. Uh, it turns out, look, he's a Patreon supporter also. And he's currently running that uh, biological reverse Kickstarter where, you know, People want certain things to exist, and so they they say, if this thing exists, I'll put up this money. And um, that's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's become rather significant. I, I I've looked at the list a few times, and I thought, man, that is a that is a cool ass list. All right. The uh, so I mentioned Patreon.com/slash Paul Wheaton. Those are three of my current Patreon supporters. Yay! Um, I'm ready to get going on this. And and Sean. I'm going to give you the the first the the first whack at cowspiracy. The first whack. Oh so boy. like what 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 was your general impression of the movie? Oh yeah, it's a great starting question. Uh, it it hurt to watch, <laughs> and not in that like it hurt to watch because I learned a bunch of things that made me sad. It it hurt to watch like it was just there. I, I think, so when I was in school, I took a course called Critical Thinking, Logic, and Argument. And we learned about fallacies and all those things. I think wow, that this you video... You in Canada. <laughs> in Canada. Okay. Um, and I think that this m- movie would be an excellent uh, case study for courses like that. Because it's just riddled with all sorts of issues. Okay. That, now that's my that's my quick summary of frustration. All right. Now, okay, my turn. Uh, <clears throat> going into it, I thought it would be torture. I was I was prepared to score it from a zero to ten. I was pre- prepared to give it as much as a score of zero point five. 
Like, yeah. like, yeah, those are human beings on there. I, I should give them at least a half a point, <laughs> you know, or something. And, and it's like, uh, I, I hope they get help or something. But, um, I'm going, I'm going to say that I'm going to give this, this, this movie a score on a scale of zero to 10. I'm going to give it a, a score of 5.5. I was, I, I enjoyed Probably, I probably enjoyed 65 to 70% of it, like enjoyed it a lot. And I was, it, I was just kind of a little sad that it's like, you know, there, there's like the, the information being poured out in front of the guy. Cause of course it's, it's one, one man's journey into this area. And so I kind of felt like, um, uh, he was, the information was being poured out in front of him and, and his concern was legit. And then it's like, so all this information is there, and then he takes a hard left. And it's kind of like, wait, wait, <laughs> I think, I think your math is a little off on that one, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, yep. uh, and it's yeah. like, you know, I, I really, I appreciate his concern. And, it, you know, here's another thing I kept thinking throughout the whole show, because it, I kind of felt like to make a proper response to this movie, it would probably take me, two or three weeks of constant research and notes to, to thoroughly address everything. And so at one point he started doing a bunch of math and I was just thinking like, I know there's probably six errors in his math. Yeah. But I, I cause that was the other thing you and I agreed to is that um, when we, before we watched it, we agreed to watch it and then take a half an hour of notes and then record the podcast because really what we're looking for is maybe two to three sentences to add to our book. And then the book is, is done. And so it's kind of like, you know, what we need to do is just quickly address this, this issue that's brought up and to respectfully address it. We need to like go to the source and for where this concern is coming from. And it seems like it's this, it is really well put together uh, I thought that the movie was, was well done. I mean, I, I think that, uh, uh, I could, you know, yeah, let's just say it's well done. Lots of different voices. The filmmaking I, was good. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I kind of feel like there were, what are the, what, I mean, but a lot of his points are really good. Like these organizations, which are supposed to be looking out for the environment are really just looking out for getting money. From people by, and I'm like, that's, that's fair point. true. That is, very fair point. That, is, that is a very good point. And, and then he goes to the organizations and it's like, you're not talking to the people that make a difference. You're talking to the puppets or the, uh, uh, the, the Vanna White face on the organization. Like, who, you know, they're going to put like somebody who's smiley and a people person because I think he's, he's saying that the, that the organizations, they're, they're designed to use their cause as an excuse to harvest money to pay the people that work for the organization. And it's like not really about, you know, making a difference. It's about harvesting the coin. And I kind of felt like, um, so if that's your job, if that's what you're trying to do with your organization, then you want to put, whoever is the person in charge of the organization, you want to put a pretty person there who is going to be really good at saying all the things you want to hear. 
And, um, and it's like, but that's not going to be your superhero, super pro really knows the stats and that kind of thing. And it's, and so, uh, no one ever wants to talk to the stats guy, (laughs) something like that, you know? And, and so he went and then sure enough, he was talking to people and then they would say things like, um, uh, Oh, I'm not comfortable answering that. And then that's what he put into the video. And, and I'm kind of feeling like, in a way, good for him, but I mean like it's a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel, which brings up the point of, have you seen that video about the guy from Germany talking about shooting fish in the barrel? No, I haven't. <laughs> he says, he says I, I do not understand these American idioms. Okay, so you have fish, and they're in a barrel. Why would you shoot them? <laughs> It's like I have cake in my hand, and before I eat it, I shoot it. Why? Why would it? Is it because Americans just like guns? Is it so that you shoot the cake before you eat it? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, setting that aside, yeah. mm-hmm. it does seem – I kind of felt like that was good, Um uh, journalism and kind of a little yellow. It's like, but on the other hand, I kind of feel like, okay, he goes all the way to do this interview and they give me somebody who doesn't really know, doesn't, doesn't, you know, can't have those hard facts. And, and it's like that, you know, I kind of feel like it's a little bit fair. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I felt squishy about it. I kind of, I would prefer to see something where it's kind of like, yeah, let's, let's give them a fair shot and let's, let's not, let's not show the picture of them with their pants down around their ankles. You know, let's, let's let them, let's, let's not do it. Let's not make this about how they stumbled on, on this stuff. Let's make it about the, the facts. So, yeah. All right. Um, now we'll, we'll do a point by point thing. I mean, I took a ton of notes. Me too. But I, I kind of feel like my, I'm, I was surprised at how I enjoyed it. I mean, I think that their conclusions are wrong, but I like how the, the guy is really concerned and he really wants to work hard to do something about it. Yes. Respect him for that. He wants to save the environment. He's very passionate about it. He's willing to make serious life changes so that he's not making the environment worse. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, another quick note before I forget, because I didn't write it down. I am so glad we wrote this book. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, like about 40 times throughout this, it's like, okay, we talk about that in the book, and we talk about that in the book. And it's like, yeah, this is a complicated issue, which is why we – and then at the same time, it's like, well, I'm feeling like I have, you know, this 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 40-hour response to the movie that I'm just not going to do the research. I'm not going to – and it's kind of like this is kind of what our book is, is it's like you're going to take this 40-hour response – and we have to condense it down to like one paragraph. And maybe we'll end up with two paragraphs, but I think this is going to be one paragraph. And, <clears throat> and that's kind of like, 
all this work that we've put in for the last year, this is, and it's been a year. Do you realize that, Sean? It's been a year. It's been a year. And, and we've worked so hard. But um, uh, I think, and it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to condense them because this is a massive topic. It's huge. And I've got, and I kind of feel like what I want to do is I want to get the book out and then send like a hundred copies of the book to this guy. Right. And then, and then say, dude, bash the crap out of my book as much as you can. I want to hear what you got. You know, um, I just kind of feel like our book is so rock solid because we've really done the work, but I kind of feel like this guy didn't, didn't really do the work. It, no. So many things kind of went squishy. Yeah. So, all right. I, I've babbled on a long time. Um, your first point, sir, your first note. Okay. First one, which I thought was interesting. So this guy who we're talking about, who's like the guy who's putting out the documentary, he was saying that he watched An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore and it changed his life. Yay. And from there... He was like, okay, I'm going to do all of the things that Al Gore told me to do, every single one of them. And then he listed them. And I was like, wow, those all suck. They all sound like sacrifice. Of course, they didn't we, all suck. I, I wrote the list down. Okay, I didn't. You want to read it again? And I, maybe okay, I'll, well, I wrote yeah. down the things that I thought were important to talk about. Okay. But, but, bef- but at some point he said, and it's like, okay, I watched the Al Gore movie. Oh, it changed my life. And I'm thinking like, yeah, dude, cool, cool, cool. And, and he says, I became an OCE, an obsessive compulsive environmentalist. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Points for that, man. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this expression. And it's kind of like, I don't know. Sean, are you an obsessive compulsive environmentalist? I don't have a problem, I promise. <laughs> oh, man, that's an even better answer. Don't make me take the drugs. <laughs> I'll be better. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> so I, I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm trying to not work 100 hours a week anymore on all things permaculture and getting word out and doing whatever it is that I do. But uh, because I, I, it's like I get up at 5.30 in the morning and I'm immediately at my computer, get it done, get it done, get it done. And then it's like, you know, I'm, I'm at 9.30 at night and I'm like, I got to go to bed. Uh, I can't do anymore. So it's like, um, and I'm, I'm cutting back. I'm cutting. But it's like, uh, am I an obsessive compulsive environmentalist? And part of me kind of thinks about the word environmentalist and it's kind of like, and we talk about this in the book, environmentalist versus environmentalist. And, and it's like, I'm not sure if the word is even a good word. I, I don't, I, I'm not even sure if I want to associate myself as a permaculturalist, even though that's kind of my whole life path choice. But, but it would be more like, uh, um, my idea of permaculturalist slash environmentalist, because I kind of feel like a lot of the worst problems that we experience come at the hands of environmentalists. Um, and it's like, you know, I'm an environmentalist, therefore you all have to now abide by this new law I made up. And, um, and it's like, that's fucking nuts. Uh, no, that's a horrible law. I, I guess I'm going to jail. <laughs> so, um, all right. But the thing I wrote down the list, so recycling, mm-hmm. uh, I'm surely you don't think that that's a bad idea. 
Okay, I, I guess I don't mean bad ideas so much as I mean like if you add them all up, it still doesn't count. Oh, right. Right. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not trying to bash recycling or. So or, he's yeah. trying to do all the things Al Gore told him to do, and he became an an uh, an obsessive compulsive environmentalist. And so one of the things he's doing now is recycling. I'm kind of thinking like, what you weren't. <laughs> or you watch the Al Gore movie. Like, wow, where are you starting from, buddy? Um, all right, so recycling. All right, composting. And, well, okay, you know my philosophies on that. And yeah. I kind of feel like, uh, yay, I guess. Um, some, some points. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's a stepping stone to not composting. Yeah. Um, and as we get into this whole movie, there's this talk of like uh, – um, <clears throat> Uh, like, oh, all this food that the animals eat and stuff like that. I'm kind of thinking, like, you take your kitchen scraps and put it out for your animals um, because you're going to have some, by the way. Uh, I mean, are they going to eat that instead of it composting? Like, is that a better use of it rather than composting? Like, look, I put a 100 pounds of kitchen scraps in a pile, and I got back five pounds of compost. And and then, um, but this is also a movie about carbon dioxide. So I'm composting, which means I'm trying to take my kitchen scraps and put and put more carbon into the atmosphere. What, buddy, buddy? If you're trying to if you're trying to reduce carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, try to mummify your food scraps. <laughs> try to get them to not break down, because then it just goes up into the carbon in the atmosphere. So stop it. Um, uh, but anyway, so he's into composting, but he doesn't know. That's cool. That's fine. He, he doesn't know, and I'm not requiring him to know in order to make this movie. But it does seem kind of funny. Um, right. So uh, the next one is is I changed all the light bulbs. Those I think those were his words. I changed all my light bulbs. Yep. And he shows a picture of him putting in a CFL. Sure does. And it's like, I just want to slap that CFL out of his hand, but I'd, I'd be worried it would break. Uh, <laughs> so I should slap him. Hey, stop that. God. So um, uh, the the light bulb thing is, uh, yeah, oh, so painful. that he's, And we've got like a, we have a chapter dedicated to the light bulbs, don't we? Yep, sure do. And we have 32 chapters. we got a lot of stuff in this book. We we did. We did. It is so packed. All right. Uh he took short showers. Uh and maybe he does what other what other uh uh environmentalists do, which is to not shower. And um and it's kinda like, okay, dude, you're 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 uh sacrificing luxury for those around you who are smelling you and thinking like, dude, <laughs> more showers for you, okay? Uh but on top of that, he's kind of like cutting back on the luxury of his life by by taking shorter showers. And and in our book, we, we're trying to come up with techniques that are going to make your life more luxuriant, not sacrifice. So this is taking shorter showers. The way that he's presenting it is definitely sounding like sacrifice. Oh yeah, he's doing sacrifice. And and I I hope him I want him to read my book so that he can reduce his carbon footprint. And have a more luxuriant life. Um, <clears throat> uh, rode my bike instead of driving. I, I love that he's riding his bike. And, and um, 
And I gotta say, I was, I go, I go into Missoula now and I don't ride my bike into Missoula. I, I drive. Um, and, uh, but you know, it is a Prius. It, it is the teeny tiny Prius, which is funny that I, such a giant guy like me can fit in the tiny Prius. So we've got the, not the Prius, but the, the extra small Prius. They, they like make one that looks like they got into a negotiation with Hot Wheels and, <laughs> and made it even smaller. And, uh, so we get 53 miles a gallon. <clears throat> Actually, uh, I've got a little competition going with Fred, which I'm currently winning to get the best mileage uh, from Missoula back to the house. Uh, I've gotten 59 and a half miles per gallon. And so I, I feel pretty good about that. Nice. Um, and, and that's highway speeds. Uh, so which would, you know, the previous general doesn't do as well. Anyway, um, I, I'm so glad, uh, but when I go into Missoula, I go into Missoula and it's like, it, it's anywhere you go in Missoula. It just, to me, it, <clears throat> it smells like exhaust. It just smells like everywhere. It smells like the whole place. It smells like car exhaust. Especially in winter. And then, um, and if you're driving somewhere, then, um, there's invariably a diesel truck of one flavor or another. And it's like, <laughs> so we keep doing that recirculate the air, which I really don't want to do because of some past experiences with having the Volkswagen van. And <laughs> <laughs> I just needed lots of fresh air. But anyway, um, uh, it's like uh, in a parking lot or, you know, it would go into Missoula for whatever reason. And it just seems like perpetually it just, and then you can see the brown cloud over Missoula, which it's not like Missoula has the only brown cloud. Every city I've ever seen has this massive brown cloud over it. And um, I think at the point where I really decided to move out of the city is when I was uh, commuting into Denver, Colorado for a job and just looking at this brown cloud, and it just really freaked me out. Plus, there's that whole thing about how people who live in cities uh, – their lifespan is on average nine years shorter. And it, it's like, ah, that's probably because of the brown cloud. I, um, mm. But it just seems like you're just perpetually, I mean, so when I'm out here in the country, I get used to being out in the country. And then when I go into the city, it's like, <coughs> and so, but anyway, He's riding his bike, and the and the thing is, he got a video of him riding it in the city, and it's just kind of like, oh man, what an awkward thing. Because I used to ride my bike; I refused to own a car, and I rode. And it's like, uh, on and of course, you have to ride your bike on a road, and then there's these cars on the road, and then you're just sucking in their exhaust. But because you're breathing hard, you're sucking in their exhaust more than normal and so and that was uh so that's why when i saw him riding his bike for that little bit i just remembered the whole thing where i would ride my bike and i'm sucking in all the city exhaust and it's like i i don't know i it i felt i felt for him because of my experiences right, right. those are the items i wrote down but he's riding his bike instead of driving that's a choice that he's making Riding your, I, I think riding your bike is great, um, but for a lot of people, riding your bike is a sacrifice. 
Yeah. And so, um, I, so I guess it depends on the person. It's not going to be, it's not going to, it will universally make things better. But, and then of course he, uh, to complete the movie, he gets out his, uh, blue van. Yes. He drives everywhere in his blue van to make the movie, which, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's what I do too. Um, I drive a, not a blue van, but a, a, a tiny little Prius. All right. Uh, what's your next point? My next point. I wrote down, uh, a 2013 FAO report says, uh, the cattle industry produces more greenhouse gases than all of transportation. So, so there. Um, am I skipping past you? Nope, nope. We're on track. I'll let you know right if you on. skip past okay. me. Okay, okay. So, um, uh, my response to that is is that um, a year ago I would have thought yes, I think that I think that that's true. But it, not just the cattle industry, just agriculture in general. And it's it's not for what you think. But I, I would have said that it's because of all the trees that are being cut down. And I got that from Alan Savory, who was saying that he, he, um, believed that deforestation for the sake of, of cattle was causing more of the problem than anything else. <clears throat> so because, and it's not even the deforestation, it's not even cutting down the trees. It's, burning the trees afterwards. Like they just make these big mountains of trees and set them on fire. And that, and then that's all those trees are converted from carbon right, right there where you could point at it up into the atmosphere. And, and so that's, but then you did at one point in time, we're writing the book and then you did a ton of research came and you came back and said, nah, and I, I, I said, well, Alan Savory knows more than you. So then I tried to answer you. What's that? Which he does. Okay. So I tried to find the other research that would beat up your research. And in the end, um, it was a KO. Uh, Your research beat up mine. And so uh, do you remember what the final numbers were on that? On which particular point? I would say deforestation, uh, both uh, wildfires and intentional, like like clear cutting. I think that deforestation, if I remember correctly, was a sixth of global greenhouse gas emissions. It, yeah, it seems I, like it was around. I think it was a sixth. And and wildfires seems like if I and I'm just shooting from the hip. My memory was like six percent, but I thought that the two combined were closer to this fifty-one percent figure that this guy says. Because apparently he's like, he wears a shirt saying, you know, I wrote it down. His shirt says, "Animal agriculture is responsible for fifty-one percent of global greenhouse gas emissions." Right. So I I did some research on that. And it looks like that number came from a rather um, disreputable study. Okay. And that the more accurate one would be the, there was one that was like peer reviewed actually. And, you know, didn't have a, as many bad assumptions in it. And it came, 
2013, it came out with 14.5% rather than 51. <clears throat> so, but he's basing the whole movie on this 51%. Right. So, um, and, and I don't have this written down in my notes, but it does seem like, um, he would call organizations and say, Hey, I'm making a documentary. Can you have an important person be in my documentary? I'll make you famous. And it sounds like some of the places were kind of like, no, thank you. And, um, and I'm kind of thinking like, what they meant to say was, is that, um, be in the same room as a crazed vegan, um, uh, you know, who's a militant vegan. And, you know, and I, I should say, I have enormous respect for people that are vegans. And that is a cool and awesome thing. The, the, the stuff that has become such a problem for myself and for a lot of people is the militant vegans where they basically are, you know, like they've made the vegan choice for themselves. Yay. And then they're pointing to all other people on the planet and saying, you have to eat the way I command you to eat. Yep. And if you don't, I will be so angry and up in your face and hostile. I will lose my shit. And so... <clears throat> I'm kind of thinking like, okay, uh, the hostility is the problem. Um, and so uh, it kind of takes a lot away from like a person making a choice to for the betterment of others. Uh, it, they, they choose to, for the betterment of others, they're going to make their own personal sacrifices, and that sounds great. And, and in fact, for some people, for some vegans, it's not even a sacrifice. They have a more luxuriant life being a vegan. And, and, um, great. That is awesome. Um, it's when they, they come and they, they tell other people, you have to do as I command. That's where I'm kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. All right. Um, so, um, we've got the, uh, the, the thing with 51%. So he's going to base the whole movie on that. Yeah, and I read that actually after the movie came out, people are like, hey, buddy, your numbers are off by a lot, and the study you used is not reputable. And so he, I think, I think that he actually had to come out and be like, oh, my bad, we used wrong numbers. Now, I went to his website, and I I looked, and um, and the number that he was going with is that something like, uh, animal-based stuff is 18% more than uh, the tra- all transportation. Okay. That, what I had was it was 18% of total emissions, and transportation was 13. Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, uh uh, let me let me let me finish presenting what I read. Go ahead, and, sorry. And, and and then you can poop on it. And so, what I thought I was reading was is that uh, uh, animal product related emissions were 18% higher than the transportation sector. 
and then the new thing came out and said, nah, it's 14%. Or the new one came out and it's by the same party. This, uh, and, and they were saying, like, we made a boo-boo. It's not 18, it's 14. And if it's my, if it's the numbers that I think it is, it's kind of like, that's not such a big difference. And then the guy who made the movie said um, something like, what he did is he clarified there's two different flavors. There's the there's the 18% flavor and the 14% flavor. And so basically in both reports, he's saying the same thing. He's saying 18 and 14. Only in the second report, he's putting more emphasis on the 14 than the 18. But I prefer the 18, so neener, neener. And I kind of feel like uh, whatevs. I kind of feel like it's such a small thing, but it's – it's still like like he's it's not I don't even remember what the report was for and and it sounds like your understanding is different than mine. So yes. I either way it's a large, yeah. I I propose that we move on from that point. Okay. Uh the next thing I wrote down was methane is 86 times worse than carbon dioxide and so I imagine that's 86 times worse as a greenhouse gas. However, I believe that when carbon dioxide gets in the atmosphere, it takes a long time to pull it back out. But yeah. I, think, I think methane pulls out pretty fast, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I read something. These numbers probably aren't exact, but it was like carbon dioxide something like 200 years, and methane was something like 12. Okay, All right. And so um, then, of course, there's the whole farting cows scenario. Oh, yeah. That which, which is kind of like, okay, so cows create a lot of methane. And, um, and then they kept doing this thing, like they kept coming back to it, like cows poop. Yeah. They poop a lot. Mm-hmm. They, they poop more than you poop. <laughs> and, and it's like, here's how much cow poop. And it's like, we're going to, you could take this cow poop and you can totally cover these big <laughs> cities. And I kind of thought, at no point did they mention, like, with how much, how, like, how deep how would the thick. poop be? Yeah, how thick? That's what I was thinking, like, how thick? Are we talking about, like, you cover this, the sides of the skyscraper, or is it just the top? <laughs> and so uh, those kinds, these kinds of questions that I had weren't covered uh, in, in the movie. Um, and I'm kind of thinking, like, what, what does it matter? Yeah, yeah cows, cows poop, right? Okay, I'm with you. Now, there, there was an interesting time, and I'm trying to look to see if I wrote it down, and I'm not seeing it. I'm pretty sure I wrote it down, where it's like, um, oh, and the person saying it I think is wrong, but it's like uh, of free-living animals 10,000 years ago, let's see, free-living animals 10,000 years ago made up 99% of the biomass. Yeah, I wrote that down too. And I'm kind of thinking like, well, what did they eat? <laughs> this, this 99% of living creatures, um, they, there's only like 1% biomass. They, they're probably having some pretty serious battles over that, you know, a couple dandelions here and there. <laughs> yeah. Like, And so I imagine that that guy got it wrong. I'm not exactly sure what he was even trying to say. Because I would imagine for biomass that – Growies are going to be larger than uh, free-living animals 
by 100 to 1, 20 to 1, something like that, probably 100 to 1. And it's like, okay, are, are we including bacteria? Yeah, I, I, I don't know where they got that. Grasshoppers, um, you know, bees. What, what's included in this? So uh, that that seemed weird, but okay. <clears throat> Uh, there's the methane thing. Okay, then then we got onto the thing where he kept coming back to water consumption. Yeah, and it's like, all right. Uh, so he pointed out, uh, eating one hamburger is equal to two months of showering, and I imagine that's the like average person showering an average amount. Yeah, I wrote down one pound of hamburger was 2,500 gallons of water. Okay, and. One burger, one hamburger with the bun is apparently 660 gallons of water. So I got, I got a couple things to say about this. I mean, of course, I got the impression, like, is this guy, do you know where he is? Is he in LA? I'm not sure. Okay. It's, I, first, at some point in time, I thought this guy is in LA, but maybe it was San Francisco, but let's pretend for a moment that he's in LA. California. So definitely California. But let's pretend for a moment he's in LA. And it's kind of like, okay, where is your water coming from for L.A.? And it's like, it's a very deserty area, and there's a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people, like when I presented an Oceanside, I heard people who were not watering their lawns, like their water bill would be something like 200 to $600 a month just to pay for their water. And so I could see that if you're um, paying that much money for water and you're, like, trying to really reduce the amount of water that you use just to save money, and you hear that a hamburger has, like, the 660 gallons of water in it, and it's like, you know, you know I, I do – I sacrifice, you know, all this shower time to save, like, four gallons of water – and it's like 660 fucking gallons. That's so much. Well, I'm kind of thinking like in a lot of places like where I live, we have the water cycle. And yeah. so, you know, the water goes down the river to the oceans, comes back up, and then there's rain, and then there's more water here. And then it's like if a cow spends a year drinking 50,000 gallons of water, it's not like the cow turns into a big water balloon. Well, and the, yeah, or a black hole for water. Like, right. Yeah, like, like now, now there's 50,000 gallons of water that's not on the earth anymore. It's, it's gone. It went to the, it went to outer space. No, it's still here. You know, the, the, the it's going to come back out of the cow in a variety of different ways. And, um, it's 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 still here. It's part of the water cycle. It goes back, and it comes back, and and so it's not. So I don't. Now on the other hand, so yeah, if you're living in a desert, water is super precious. Probably don't want to raise cattle at your house, just because of the water thing. It, it'll be too expensive. Won't be a smart thing. Maybe the thing to do is let people raise cattle somewhere else where it's not that expensive. And then the, you know, the burgers come in a truck to you, you know, and then it's like it all ends up being pretty cheap. Ta-da! I mean, you could probably tell when you're living in Los Angeles 
that if you're paying like something like a dime per gallon of water, um, and then you, you're thinking like, wow, it's 660 gallons to make a hamburger, then wouldn't that make the hamburger $66? <laughs> No, but it's like you go down to McDonald's, they sell it to you for a buck. And it's like, oh, okay, well, they must have found a loophole. Yeah, they did. It's called the water cycle. Now, there is there is stuff in the Midwest where they've got that giant aquifer that they've all kind of tapped. Right. And and then it's like, uh, you know, they've, they've dropped the whole aquifer, like, quite a lot, and that's due to irrigation I want to say to feed vegans, but it's, it's actually feed everybody. <laughs> but it's, well, it is uh, irrigation for plants dominantly. But I imagine that there is going to be some for, for animals as well. Right. Well, and I think that a lot of the numbers that they used in this movie, they weren't just saying, oh, a cow drinks that much water. They were saying, oh, if you include all of the water used to grow all of the food that they eat. True. And it's like, okay. True. That, it's fair, but let's, yeah, let's also look past this. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I, I, I felt that the whole water thing, I mean, it got harped on throughout the movie and I kind of feel like that's a, that's a nutty one. Um, I, I kind of feel like if you're going to be freaked out about water consumption, maybe you should move, dude. I mean, maybe you shouldn't live in a place where water is so precious and you yourself are kind of like, you know, fucking things up. And so maybe if you're making sacrifices, you should sacrifice whatever it is that you are keen on in that city. Yeah, um, or get going on the greening desert, the desert stuff, you know, like. Well, sure. Yeah, there's that, too. Although I, we're going to get to some of that a little bit later. Yeah. And and I had, there's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. There's, yeah, we'll get there. There's some misinformation I want to sort out here. Yeah. But All right. Um, I think, though, that where a concern of water starts to be valid or more valid, I won't say valid, but, um, you know, if you're talking about if, like, if you have a pasture and a cow pees, there goes the water from the cow black hole. Yeah. And it's going into the ground to feed the growies. If you have a feedlot and a cow peas, then that water goes somewhere else. Yeah. And it's, so that that's where problems start to happen is when we do things wrong. It's a, it's a waste at that point. Yeah. But out in the pasture, it's a benefit. Yeah. 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 So let's see. Uh, I have a note here. Missoula is about 20 feet up from the water table. Missoula does not have expensive water nor water restrictions like this guy is experiencing in California. So some, oh, look at this. I'm getting food delivery. <laughs> uh, hello, Jocelyn. Hello. We're making a podcast. Yeah, I can feel it being hot. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, you, you're in charge for a moment. All right. So I'm, I'm done complaining about the water thing for now, but maybe I'll change my mind and get back to that later once I read more of my notes. Um, the next point that I have on my list, and maybe Paul has something else on his list that he'll bring up when he has less food in his mouth, um, animal agriculture occupies up to 45% of land 
uses one third of fresh water, just talked about the water thing, and is responsible for up to 91% of Amazon destruction. And I guess just as a general note, and I guess I was trying to get there earlier when I was talking about the water thing, but whenever they say animal egg, they're not just talking about like, oh yeah, you know, cows are now on 91% of the rainforest that's been removed. It's often like, yeah, so we decided that what cows really need are soybeans. And so we cut down the rainforest to grow soybeans for the animals. And of course, you know, cows don't need soybeans. So. First, I want to make om nom nom sounds. Yeah, okay, go ahead. As as I'm eating and trying to talk into a podcast at the same time. And it's like, this is how we squeeze podcasts in, is try to squeeze it in between everything else. But um, I I kind of felt like that kind of kept coming up a lot. And I don't think they were feeding the soybeans to the cattle necessarily, because they weren't saying it's for growing the soybeans to feed the cattle. And it's like, oh, no, we're making this, we're, we're deforesting this area for the sake of raising cattle and for planting soybeans. Okay, I must have misheard that. And so that that seemed to be the, I, I don't know, the, I kind of felt like, uh, yeah, it's agriculture. It's it's not just animal products. Yeah. But, I mean, for example, I a lot of the vegans I know never eat tofu. They're like, ew. And um, I know I never eat tofu. Um, and I, I, you know, uh, um, I, and I'm looking at what Jocelyn put in <laughs> now, but I do see a meaty bit in there. So I, I was going to say I eat mostly a vegan diet, but surprise, right now there's a little bit of meaty bits in there. Um, but I, I kind of feel like, weren't they, I mean, a lot of this stuff is about agriculture and it's kind of like, okay, you're not going to take any ownership of that. Now there were times where they kind of divided it and they said, okay, so, Here's the part that's for the, the, the that includes the meat eaters, yeah. but I also kind of think that it's like okay, you're not these guys these these people are not eating a purely meat diet, you know like like their diet is like maybe twenty percent meat. I think for a lot of people it's like ten percent meat. Yeah, it's it's not like and now granted there are some people where it's like a hundred percent animal products. Yeah, that is very. Very few people, right? And for rather specific health issues. So it's, it's it's not so cut and dried, but so there there is that. Um, and anyway, there's okay. <clears throat> I'm I'm sorry. Where did you start this? <laughs> where Where did my rant begin? <laughs> well, I was talking about how, like they always say, animal egg, but they don't just mean the animal itself. They're talking about like growing grains to feed animals and all that kind of stuff. Now, throughout the movie, there was a lot of amazing information about the problems. Very political. I mean, it's it's like, and then not only politics from politicians that like work for the government, but also the politics of a non-profit organization. And um, I thought there was a lot of really good information. Plus, there was also a lot of environmental disasters that were brought up. Like, ocean stuff was brought up over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, and it's kind of like, 
the oceans are being overfished. And I kind of feel like I, I agree with that. And in fact, there was um, something that he didn't mention that I kind of felt like he probably would have loved this for his movie. And that is that uh, fairly recently I, I, I heard something about the amount of subsidies there are for the fishing industry. Oh, it's, that must be interesting. It's like, it's like a more than 50% subsidy. So it's like, okay, so we go out and we buy, uh, scallops. And we're gonna, we're gonna eat scallops. And it's like, wow, they're, they're pretty expensive. But they would probably be at least double that price if it weren't for the subsidies. Interesting. Uh, so it's kind of like, uh, and then the other thing is, is that there's like, uh, I think Japan and China subsidize it even more um, because they are such seafood-centric cultures. And I kind of feel like, well, we've got some seafood-centric stuff too, but, and, and you know what? <clears throat> At some point I got to say, and I don't have it written down here, but it's like, Sean, what is the solution of you and I? You know, if we're going to talk about, and, and I, you know what, if it, food, when it comes to food and reducing your carbon footprint, what is the number one thing that you can do to reduce your carbon footprint if only you're going to talk about food? Grow your own. Grow your own. And uh, at one point in time in the movie, he's like, oh, let's go visit this garden. It's like, how about if people do it at home? And And I think part of the book is to say, like, how uncomfortable we are with the way that a lot of people, you know, uh, raise animals yes. in their, at their own home. Oh, yeah. And that's what we watched. We saw something that looked very awful. Yeah. And, and so then it had the guy like, oh, I don't think I could eat meat again after looking at what I just saw in that backyard scenario. Right. Granted, he also just watched the ducks get butchered. It wasn't yeah. just how they were raised. He, he watched the butchering and, you know, yeah, I felt like that was a bit of an appeal to emotion and somewhat unfair to include in what should be a logical argument about his point. But, you know, the funny thing is when he showed the duck being butchered, the thing that bothered me the most is that he was, he was butchering that duck on plywood. Yep. <laughs> I saw that too. That's the, it's like, that was just driving me nuts. Like, you don't use plywood for that. What are you doing? And I don't know. I also kind of felt like the way that he was handling the ducks. Yeah, it was not. It was like, oh, that was terrible. And so there was, there was things that bothered me, but it's like just because that guy does it that way doesn't mean, you know, all right. Yeah. Ah. I have a note here. It says, for some reason, no one wanted to talk to me about this. <laughs> and I, I added my own comment that said, because you're struggling with some of the basic concepts of math. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, I, I don't, I don't have it written down here, but at one point he started doing, hmm, you know, I started to do the math on this. Do you remember that part? And suddenly the numbers came up and he's like describing the math. Yeah. And it's like, I am pretty sure he made six mathematical errors. And so I actually pulled up a calculator to start kind of like, you know, running through some of it. 
But it's like I, I, I kept feeling like I think that that number that you're starting with is wrong. And and it's like, where did you get that number? Yeah. So anyway, a lot of so, so the next thing you know, he's saying like, uh, so in order to be able to feed the cattle, we would have to grow enough corn. No, wait, no, wait. This is grass-fed. Grass he was fed. taking on grass-fed. We would have to grow grass across all of the United States and well into Canada and then down south into like halfway down South America just to feed Americans' need for beef. And that would mean that we'd also have to grow grass on all of the buildings in all of the cities. And um, and so he's got like images of the city being covered in grass now, you know, to, to feed all these cattle. And it's kind of like that. That is not how it works, man. That is, I mean, ob- the other thing is, is that his conclusion. If his conclusion, I mean, there's also check your math a bit, because if your conclusion basically says impossible scenario, then it's like, okay, how are they feeding them right now? There's not grass covering all the cities right now. And it's like, it's not just the United States that eats meat. Yeah. So, yep. so Sean, up there in Canada, have you noticed anybody eating meat ever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There they go. Today even. There they go. There's one right over there. And so it's like, okay. And then I, I've heard rumors of like uh, Mexican food having a different word for every kind of meaty bit. Um you know, so uh, if I go to Chipotle, they, they talk about, is it Barcoba or something? I can't remember. But the, the, the thing is, is that, no, they, they eat uh, all different kinds of meat all through Mexico and into South America. And so it's like, well, they're already – and somehow the whole place isn't covered with uh, grains. But I think that was their point, too, is like if we, if we eat them – if we feed them grass instead of grain – yeah. Then everything will be one giant grassy thing, and it's kind of like, uh, no, no, that's that's not how it works. In fact, yeah. and and one of the points that he made, and I had never heard of this before, is that if you raise uh, like a steer to butchering size mm-hmm. grain, you can get there in fifteen months. But if you do it on grass, it takes eight months longer. And so that is one I did not know. And I think that the reason why I didn't know it is because I had never considered attempting to feed an animal food that it was not designed to eat. Right. And, and you know, so, but okay, that, that is an inter- So I think what they're trying to say is like, okay, we'd have to, we'd have to have a lot more grass. And I'm kind of thinking like, my understanding is that the total number of cattle that we have in the United States is about the same as the total number of bison that used to be here. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. All right. So, um, and I was just guessing that, that I, I like I've read that a few times, but I wasn't, I'm not totally sure about that, but you. I can confirm that I've also read that. Okay. And, and that's just the bison, never mind the deer and the antelope and the elk and the, all the things. Like there, you know, there is way more. And so that, that brings me back to the point that we were talking about earlier with the, they were saying free living animals used to make up 99% of the biomass. And I know we're not quite sure what they mean by that, but then they, as a, as a way of saying, making it, they, they pointed out, they said, well, now human, humans and the animals we have as livestock 
make up 98%. So it's like they were trying to say, like, we kicked out 98% of the animals so that we could be here with our cows and chickens and pigs. And it's like, we did do that because we had a very poor model. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a system that has lots more animals in it than there are right now. Um, I want to also point out the whole thing about, um, and I, I'm sure I've got a note about it, but paddock shift systems. And so, um, I mean, the bottom line is that back in the age of bison, there were no fences. Yeah. And so then the, the bison would, um, would move around the prairie in a big mob and, um, they would only be there for a short time. And then they would eat what there was and move on. And they wouldn't eat all of it. They would probably eat more than half. Yeah. And then they'd leave behind um, the, the bison poop, which this guy would totally fear. Yeah. Uh, poop is coming to get you. But this was like, um, let's say, 500 years ago. And um, <clears throat> so this, there would be, you know, because now we emulate it with paddock ship systems and we get five times more growies than if you just put up a fence and try to grow your vegan garden inside of it. And it's kind of like, uh, and that's, that's a whole chapter we have in the book is, is about how a vegan would benefit from, uh, working animals into their, into their gardens. Yeah. Even if they continue to choose to eat a vegan diet. To, to, to choose the noble vegan diet. Yes. So, I guess um, the, that seems to be left out of, of a lot of stuff. And, yeah. and, in fact, at one point in time, and I've got it written down here, um, what what he said, oh, crap. Um, it's the thing about Alan Savory. Oh, here it is. Uh, he's making the point that desertification is caused by overgrazing. And then, uh, quote, Alan Savory claims the way to reverse desertification is to graze more animals. No, that's that's not what he's saying. But, okay. Uh, and then talks about him culling 40,000 elephants, which... I thought that was a total dirty shot. I'm very... I, yeah. Oh. Alan Savory himself has come out and said, look, I did this horrible, horrible thing. And I feel horrible about it all the time. And now he's trying to do the opposite. Yeah. Horrible thing. And so then the guy making the movie says, this is not someone I would take ecological advice from. And so it's kind of like, okay, here's what I saw. I saw the guy making this movie standing up and saying, I'm a dumb fuck. I mean, you know, there, there's a much richer story here, and maybe he knew what the richer story was, and he felt that this was a quick and dirty out. This is this is not the high road. This no, is the dumb this is dirty. Road. This is it was stupid. If you can okay. prove that Island Savory stuff is incorrect, go for it. But you know, don't sling mud at him for his past choices. Jeez. Okay, so, we better move on from that. I'm getting angry. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.